You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 59. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today, we're going way back on this one. Not not so far back. Back to the fourth Doctor uh, in an episode called Shada, which sometimes is called a lost episode. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But joining me today on the panel are uh, Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Great. So uh, let's start by playing the sound of the trailer, and then we'll get into the story behind Shada. So there's a story behind it, and then the the episode itself, why we're why we're uh, covering it now. But let's listen to the sound of the trailer first. When I was on the river, I heard a strange babble of inhuman voices. You brought a book from Gallifrey to Cambridge. If Skagler has the TARDIS and the book, he can get to Shada. Shada. Do not fight, or you will die. Doctor, your mind shall be mine. I'm not mad about your tailor. Kill them. Kyagras, stop. What have you done? Doctor. I'm in for a very, very rough ride. Run, Shada. Let the universe prepare itself. Shada, it's a fourth Doctor episode, as you heard, originally planned for the end of the uh, 1979 season, uh, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was six episodes long. Uh, so this was a long story. It, the way I think I watched it, and maybe that you guys watched it too, they didn't divide it. It was just one long story, mm-hmm. about two hours. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, there's uh, so people may wonder about why is it six episodes if it's in Tom Baker's era because. It, there were six parters and even longer stories early on in Doctor right. Who, but they found, and that was for budgetary reasons. You know, they only had so much money to build sets and costumes, and so they mm-hmm. stretched the story and right. resulted in slower paced stories. So as the show developed, they started getting away from that and kind of gravitated to a four uh, part structure for most stories, four 30 minute episodes. And by Tom Baker's era, but they would do six parters as season finales. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this was meant as a season finale. And so that's why they were willing to do six parters. So let's get into the, to why we, why we're watching this and why we're, why it's being released now on DVD mm-hmm. and uh, Blu-ray. Um, Jimmy, can you tell me about like the, so the background of, of what's going on here and why yeah. parts of this were missing? Yeah, so uh, this was a story by Douglas Adams of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fame. He was a script editor on Doctor Who, and he wrote a number of episodes, including The Pirate Planet and City of Death and uh, and this one. And they get up to the end of the season, and suddenly they the a lot of the people in the British entertainment industry decide to go on strike. And mm-hmm. this happened partway through filming, so they had uh, part of it filmed, but then uh, by the time the strike was over, the season was over, things had moved on, they decided they couldn't go back and just finish it, and so they 
they they left it in an unfinished state and just began making the next season. So over the course of years, there have been various attempts to um, present Shada to the public because, you know, Douglas Adams went on to be very famous and and there was interest in this, you know, partially completed episode. And um, one of the attempts I know I, I have a copy of is a DVD release that has linking narration by Tom Baker, which is kind of yep. interesting. Um, he's like walking through a Doctor Who museum and whenever they get to a point in the story where they run out of footage, suddenly we're watching Tom Baker in the museum looking at the camera saying, and then Skagra came to me and did did this and that. And then I mm-hmm. responded with this and yep. that. Um, Big Finish also has a version where they recast mm-hmm. the story as an eighth Doctor story with Paul McGann mm-hmm. uh, and did a fresh take on it there. And I think there have been some there's there's been like a digital comic version online, I believe. But finally, uh, now that they're making animated reconstructions of lost episodes, like the second Doctor story, Power mm-hmm. of the Daleks, they had the same company that made that uh, fill in the missing pieces of this one. And they got the original cast to come back, with Tom yep. Baker and Lala Ward and so forth, uh, to come back and do the, uh, the needed voice work to make yep. the animations work. So now... For the first time, we have a complete presentation of the story with the original cast. And to my mind, this is now the canonical version of the story. And I think right. that's what most fans are going to think. Okay. Well, the kind of interesting thing about the uh, Eighth Doctor one, and they did a, do a, um, you know, when Flash Animation was brand new, it was the biggest thing in the world in 2003 for the 40th anniversary of Doctor Who. They did a Flash Animation version where it was the Eighth Doctor going to Gallifrey getting Romana, who is now the Lord President of the Time Lords, right, and saying, "Oh, do you remember doing this? No, neither do I. But we, sh- but something happened. We better go back and find out what's going on." Mm-hmm. And then it jumps back. And of course, the idea is they reused some of the footage from Shada for the Fifth Doctor or the Five Doctors episode, right? So Tom Baker did not want to be a part of the Five Doctors. So instead, because it was like a year after he left, I think. A uh, year or two, it was very quickly after he left as the fourth doctor and, and Peter Davidson had taken over. So they reused just a little bit of this footage, the footage where they're punting, where they're going down the river mm-hmm. and then they get zapped out of time. And then they get put back where the doctor's laying on the, the floor and the TARDIS is sitting there or the ground of the TARDIS is sitting there. And they reuse that footage for that episode. Well, then they took that for the eighth doctor and said, well, because we were pulled out of time, that never actually happened. Let's go back and find out what actually was happened. Oh. And then they then they started the story from that point. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it's actually it's actually worth listening to. You can get um, they did a ver- big finish did the recording, and it was a shorter version for the uh, web mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. And but then you can watch you can listen to the the full version that big finish did. They did an extended version that you can buy from them. And so that was the flash animated version. Yes. As yes, opposed in to 2003, the, as opposed to the other big finish production that they which did. are MP3s and right. stuff. Well, it's it's the same. It's recording, the same. Okay, but the big finish has a longer version. I think they cut it down for the Flash. Is what I they gotcha. Did. I gotcha. Okay, interesting. I mean, that's an interesting thing about Doctor Who that I think sets it apart from so many other long running uh, franchises, science fiction franchises, is the willingness to <clears throat> reuse and redo. I mean, part of it's the unique nature of the 
of the character and of the story of how he recreates mm-hmm. himself literally uh, every once in a while. And so they're able to reuse these this material and and the fans are just desperate to get get its hands on it and that this material is out there to get. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun as a as a doctor fan to to be able to 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 get these stories and they're like new. So now that we have all all the listeners excited about watching Shadow, we need to warn them not to. <laughs> well, because... unless unless you are in uh, the UK, right? Then you probably uh, you probably should just get you buy from Amazon UK or whatever uh, because you should be all set. But American fans yeah. and Canadian fans, again, we we've okay. had some difficulties to oh. say the least. It is. I, it I've is... had the best luck. I will say this: I've had yeah. the best luck right. because. So here's the deal. If you go to Amazon, for some idiotic reason, the BBC decided to release Shada in England for Christmas, but not in America until next Christmas. So they're they're fragmenting their marketing efforts, which makes no sense. Uh, if yep. you get the worldwide fan community excited about this, it ought to be available to everyone at the same time. And they didn't have that happen. So that's mistake one on their part. Mm-hmm. Then... They put it out on a Blu-ray <clears throat> that is advertised on Amazon.co.uk as region-free, which means it's not encoded so that you can only watch it in the United Kingdom or only watch it in America. You mm-hmm. can watch it anywhere. Except, so so then Dom and Father Corey and I buy it so we can review it for you. We order each order a copy from England and pay m- good money for that. Then we get it, and guess what? It won't play on standard Blu-ray players. Yes and it's, no. Well, here's here's the catch, though, too, is, okay, so there's, I didn't realize this. I think we've all had older Blu-ray players. They've updated the Blu-ray format now where newer Blu-rays will not play on older players that have analog output and that was my problem my first problem so i had a player that i bought eight nine years ago it didn't work yeah well that player that's and that wasn't oh go ahead i got a new player and it a samsung player and it does work i was able to get it however it sounds like i'm the only one of the three of us that was able to get that to happen yeah, so when I got it, it uh, my Blu-ray player is not that old, and it doesn't have analog output. It has UA, uh, uh, USB output. Okay. And, um, and so I I couldn't play it on that, So, but it is a few years old. So I went out, and I got a new Blu-ray player, too, that also has USB output, and it won't play it. So I actually have not seen the animated version. I tend to prep for this episode. I went back and rewatched the... Um, the Tom Baker linking narration version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for my part, um, I couldn't get it to play either. Um, I didn't buy a new DVD player, uh, but I did. I do have a Blu-ray player connected to my computer. Tried to watch it there. It didn't work. Yeah. Tried to rip it. I thought that might work. That didn't work. Um, uh, I, I I will admit that I went out and found a copy online of the animated version. I do not feel bad about that since I paid good money uh, for yeah. this, for this Blu-ray that doesn't play. So it's this is one of the frustrations of these the the newer media that yeah you have to have the right you know i don't know voodoo or something to get it all to work well um there's there's yeah. a there's a, a a different conversation we can have sometime about uh the craziness of copyright protection and how it mm-hmm. prevents people from actually enjoying yeah. the product of of uh, artistic work uh in many many the, places 
the the takeaway message for American fans though is wait until it comes out in America and right. presumably you'll be able to watch it then. Right. Yep. Yes, that's right. Um yes, and if you're a UK fan, you're you're much better off than we are, uh, which doesn't always happen. So enjoy. <laughs> so um, enjoy Shade and Frauden while you while you can, or Shada and Frauden. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> that so, was not planned. Two points. Yes, thank you. It's a it's a good dad joke. Um, so this is so back back to the story itself. So it's the fourth Doctor. It's the seventh of his eight seasons. Is that correct? Yes. This yes. was the, the uh, yeah. this was his. Penultimate season. Penultimate season. Okay. Uh, so well, the story itself. So the a basic outline of the story is it's the um, it revolves around this lost planet of Shada, which is a, a prison built by the Time Lords uh, for defeated would-be conquerors of the universe, which yeah. apparently everyone, including the Time Lords, have forgotten about this prison. Uh, mm-hmm. And Skagra was an inmate who escaped, I think. I, so I have to admit, there are parts of the story that I didn't that I I kind of missed them, and I'm gonna re- rely on you guys to maybe help fill me in because I didn't follow everything necessarily. See, well, this, this I'm looking at the the same synopsis you are here, yeah. and I I don't get where they got that from. At least not in the version the version that was just released. Maybe that was something from a different version. Gotcha. That I missed. Yeah. yeah. As far as my impression was that Skagra is just a villain who. Kind of comes out of nowhere, and 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 we eventually learn he's like a mind robber of these genius scientists who are yep. maybe from the future, right? So yeah, yeah. so so the so the <laughs> yeah look so let's maybe he wasn't an inmate and in that uh, this synopsis got wrong because I thought I was missing something. We will meet an inmate though. Yes, uh, yes. he finds that uh, nobody knows where Shada is anymore. Um, all. Except maybe this one time lord who has retired to Earth, uh, Professor Kernotis, who's a professor at uh, Cambridge, and uh, happens to happen. He happens to show up at the same time the fourth doctor is coming to visit his old friend, Kernotis, accompanied by Ramana, who is a time lord. uh, Ramana 2. Ramana 2. So second. Could you explain that to me as a uh, as a not as, as much a well no uh, well sorry. just explain well, it to first. me because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Romano is a time lady who who was assigned to the Doctor as a companion, and they had a season long uh, story arc called the Key to Time uh, mm-hmm. with the original Romana, who was rather and she had a rather superior and kind of posh attitude and was rather acerbic towards the doctor mm-hmm. and um and she was a good foil for him actually i mean she would yep. give him pushback and um then after after that season the actress who originally played romana uh, mary tam left the series and was replaced by uh, the actress lala ward so they had romana mm-hmm. regenerate in a rather in a scene that was played for comedy uh, but they had Romana regenerate, and going forward, uh, she was now shorter, blonder, and had a more vibrant, bouncy personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so when we say Romana too, we just mean a the second re- incarnation of Romana. Okay. Right. Okay. So, sort of like kind of interesting. Doctor. Yeah. Interesting yeah. too is uh, Lala Ward had played a character in Princess that season Astrid. with yeah. in that season with 
Mary Tam. And so they kind of played off that where she could control her regeneration and say, well, I liked how she looked. So I decided I'm going to become her basically. Okay. Yeah. And so, sort of like how they explained how Peter Capaldi uh, guested on a 10th uh, doctor episode of uh, yep. with a Roman. Right. Uh, he was a Roman that fires Roman. of Pompeii. Fires yep. of Pompeii. Yep. Okay. That explains that for me. Good. Uh, other, other companions were, uh, Professor Cronotus, Cronitis uh, Cronotus. The, the tin dog, the little tin dog was there. Canine. Too. Canine. Canine. I can understand why everybody likes canine. He is kind of cute and, uh, yeah. fun. <laughs> um, and then this, uh, just for this one story, uh, this Cambridge student, physicist student, I think he was a student, uh, Chris Parson. Yeah. yeah. He, um, well, he, he wasn't a student. He was like, a. Like, like a, a doctorate. Just, he was like, a, he, he, yeah, he was attending Professor Cronotus's lectures and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure of his exact graduation status. And then there's also um, a young woman who's who's right. kind of a, a friend of Chris's who's also connected with the university. That's also a also a companion. Yes. Uh, Claire yep. uh, is, is her name. OK. Yep. So um, let's let's talk about the. So I just I wanted to say something like this: the idea of uh, Douglas Adams writing it, it was, it, it, you know, I could really feel his influence on the script. Like, oh yeah, there were yeah. a lot of those very funny quips from the Doctor. I understand why people really like the Fourth Doctor. Um, he was is he, he was quite funny and a bit madcap, and and I, I enjoyed that. And mm-hmm. um, and I could see how some people kind of compare him to uh, Matt Smith's Doctor uh, mm-hmm. in that sort of madcap sort of way it was it was a lot of fun i enjoy i really enjoyed this episode uh the pacing is so very different from modern tv i mean all tv of this era is very different uh but the pacing was so very very different uh Mm -hmm. so much slower in scenes when when i first read the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy when it first came out um, I, I was explaining it to friends and saying it's like Doctor Who meets Monty Python. And mm-hmm. then I later discovered, oh, guess what? Douglas Adams <laughs> wrote for both Monty Python and Doctor Who. That explains it. Yep. <laughs> um, so it does have a kind of comedic feel in many elements. They have certain jokes they use as callbacks. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, when... Professor Cronotus is in his rooms whenever anyone comes to he's played as kind of an absent minded professor. Yep. Whenever oh, yeah. anyone anyone comes to him in his rooms, he offers them tea. And while he's getting the tea, he asks one lump or two. And then after they tell him the answer, he says sugar. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a there's a great moment where uh, Lala Ward is Romana is 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 is, is he's offering her tea and she tells him two lumps, no sugar. that that is good and and there was this this running gag that the professor is like sort of old and a little doddering and maybe uh you know early dementia setting her so he has trouble keeping track of the order of time and that's the sort of thing a an aging time lord might have uh go wrong spoilers if you couldn't tell by the fact that his name was chronotus yeah, he is a time lord. Right, right. <laughs> a time lord who retired uh, to Earth, uh, which is it's kind of fun because we don't see anything like this in modern uh, Doctor Who, where we have other time lords kind of just hanging out on Earth, um, living or living elsewhere. Out here. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is this is something that's peppered through the original, the classic series. Is the Doctor would occasionally run across time lords 
just living somewhere. Right. Right. Like with the third doctor's regeneration, we noticed that uh, Tampo. Tam- yeah, the the he was he was also a time lord living uh, on Earth. Yeah, and the well, first doctor it, ran across the meddling monk. Yeah. Yes. And it is it's kind of understandable understandable though for so much of New Who's run so far, the Doctor was the last of the Time Lords. Right. You know, yeah. It's only recently that they finally reintroduced Gallifrey, and we've been able to see more of the Time Lords again. Yeah, it it would be nice to get more of that into into the modern Doctor Who. Um, inevitably, we can compare. We can talk about how the twelfth Doctor in the most recent season was a professor at a college. And kind of mm-hmm. compare mm-hmm. that to Professor Cronotis. Um apparently including the TARDIS, oh. including the TARDIS sitting in the, <laughs> the the room, right? Yeah. Also, uh, like like the Twelfth Doctor, who had been a professor at I forget the name of the fictional university, but he'd been a professor there for like seventy years, mm-hmm. and people were like, "How are you still here?" and <laughs> stuff after all that time. Um, and it's they. It, that's exactly what's happened with Professor Cronotus too. He's been for in human terms, he's been a professor at Cambridge for an impossibly long time. And they even ask him about that, and, and you know, hasn't anybody noticed? And he says, "Well, everyone here is so discreet; they just haven't said anything about it." <laughs> Which is very British, as <laughs> to our British friends. Um, so uh, it starts on a space station uh, called the Foundation. For the study of advanced sciences, which is a very science fictiony sort of name for for anything, very suitably vague, um, and you have these um, men sitting ar- sitting around this device on the uh, sort of on the outside of it, and uh, we later learn Skagra is there with them, and something happens. Something mysterious happens. Yeah, this 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 uh, floating silver ball. Um, does something to them, and then Skargra walks out and gets aboard his spaceship uh, and goes off. And then we're in contemporary uh, Cambridge, um, uh, as we later learn. I didn't, I didn't know at first whether it was London or Oxford, but it turns out it's Cambridge. Um, we have uh, Professor Cronotus. He has the the TARDIS in the corner of his office. So apparently, he later on, when the Doctor and Romana show up, he it's like they hadn't. He was seeing them for the first time. But the TARDIS was already there. Well, it, it sounded like he, Professor Kenotis was out of his office. The TARDIS appears. Doctor and Romana go off and do their punting. They go punting on the he, on the river. And the on the professor, pro, Yeah, the professor comes back, and he doesn't even notice the fact that there's suddenly this big blue police blocks <laughs> sitting in the middle of his yeah. room. Right. And apparently the doctor's been coming back, we later learn, periodically to try to visit Professor Kenotis over the years, including yes. in a previous incarnation. Yep. By the way, uh, for American listeners, if you don't know, punting is uh, is uh, a little rowboat uh, where you stand on the back and you push with a pole, kind of like you know, the Venetian gondolas, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. So uh, one one note, uh, Professor Cronotus, when we see him, is uh, reading. Uh, Do you catch what he's reading? The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. which is appropriate. Um, meanwhile, uh, Skagra shows up and he is styling. He is oh. wearing quite the outfit. Wow. He's got a a big, gigantic white hat and a shiny white cloak. Uh as as, as we as Jimmy quipped earlier when we were talking to he's like the vanilla shaft. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, 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 oh man, disco overload. Well, I'm like, yep. this guy stands out in a crowd. It's quite the outfit. <laughs> Explaining the line, I'm not wild about your ta- I'm not mad about your tailor in the sa- <laughs> yes. in the uh yes. in the teaser trailer. Yeah. That's right. 
Um, I also had to, wanted to kind of note the the music. He, 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 oh, go ahead, Jimmy. Oh, he he has like I mean, it's really if you haven't seen this, I mean, go online and Google Skagra and look at the image. It's S K A G R A. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the most. He is the most nineteen seventies dressed man ever. <laughs> It was yeah, it was pretty wild. Well, um, as, as my friend, as my friend pointed out, it's you know he it, you can tell he's the bad guy because he's got the big shoulders. <laughs> right, late nineteen seventies. If you get big shoulders, it's a bad guy. Yeah, it, it's really and frankly, from a modern perspective, I don't know how it would have been received in the seventies, but from a modern perspective, the outrageousness of his costume just makes him. Hard to take as a villain in some way. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, luckily, he he gets rid of the uh, the the hat later <laughs> later on the episode. Get, yeah. So the um the the other thing I wanted to point out was the music, uh, the incidental mm-hmm. music throughout the episode. It's this interesting peppy flute music, which is a very and, interesting choice. And, um, and Jimmy, you you wouldn't have heard it, Jimmy, because it was actually composed brand new uh, in, uh-huh. this year for the new the uh-huh. new release. Um, oh, so I didn't hear that version. No, okay. you didn't hear it, it, it. It's kind of funny, though, is the 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 main theme almost has like, you know, haven't got time for the pain. You know, that song It's kind of along right. that theme, too, you know, but it, it's yeah, it's very it very much it's new comp- composition um, mm-hmm. that was done in the 1970s style. And I think some of it really they did work to get it kind of in that. Oh, it's very much genre. Yeah, it's very I, I wouldn't have uh, picked it as a new composition. So, yeah, it's very much. Of its of the era that it's trying to emulate, they kept Chattanooga Choo Choo though, right? They, yes, they did. did. That was okay. very strange. What like it wasn't just a couple of guys on the corner as he rides by. Like they spent some time on this Glee Club singing Chattanooga so Choo Choo. There, there is commentary on the, yeah. the Blu-ray set that I have, and it talks about that where this was a group that basically they got to know uh, one of the members of that group got to know the uh, production crew as they were there in Cambridge filming. And they were able to basically weasel their way in. Oh, yeah, like they they kind of shoehorned their way into the production, and so. But I think it works. It where we encounter them is during. There's this. So Skagra has this sphere that sucks people's minds, and he's sicked it on the doctor. So the doctor is fleeing from the sphere, and um, he's riding on a bicycle, and it's a kind of kind of a Buster Keaton routine you know where yep. he's it's played for comedy and he's, ru- yep. he's bicycling through the streets and on as he's doing that he passes this glee club that's there for no reason singing chattanooga choo-choo <laughs> on the street corner and it, it and works he, and he hits the bell as he's going by right at the right time too <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the song yeah like, even as he's like r- running away for his life he he does manage to to ring the bell pro- uh, appropriately for the song that's a classic doctor so the story up to this point so uh, so that we kind of jumped ahead. This fellow, Chris Parsons, shows up at Professor Kernotis's office. He's looking for a book. Um, the doctor, uh, sorry, the professor, you know, says, oh, it's maybe on one of those shelves over there. And he grabs the wrong book and t- and he takes it back to his physics lab on the other side of Cambridge. Um, and so we follow him back. Uh, he takes a bike. And that's when we switch to animation for the first time. Uh, I think it's the first time. Yeah. And. Yes. So we're we're seeing this, and so uh, to describe the animation, it's not it's not Pixar animation. It's not the no. high quality CGI. It's it's sort of, I would say, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Anim- it's, it's hand it's hand drawn cell animation more. That yeah. like is it actually hand drawn or are they using a computer? Well, I'm sure it's it? computer, but it, I'm sure it's you know like it, tablet. 
Yeah. yeah. It had well it has so it's it's kind of like animated. It's like motion comics if you've ever seen those. So right. you've got uh like black lines around characters and and they're they're colored yeah. since this is a color era unlike P- Power of the Daleks which they did yep. in black and white. Since Tom Baker was f- filmed in color, it is colored but it's it's like not 3D coloration oh, no, like no. you would see in Pixar. Will, it's more flatter. I will say it is Having seen both the Power of the Daleks and this, I would say this is a bit smoother animation, but I think part of that's because they only had about a third of the episode to fill in with animation right? versus uh, the full episode with Power of the Daleks. Um, the one the one thing that um, the points of the animation were those those last sets, which they had set up. They were ready to go. They were ready to film on these sets. The way the the commentary explains it is literally they walked to the door and there was a sign saying closed. Right. They were ready to film. So the TARDIS interior, um, this, this um, lab laboratory, and then inside of Skagra's ship. Right. Those were the those were the parts that needed to be ships plural that needed to be filled in and, with animation and Shada itself. And Shada itself. Yeah. The sets were ready to go. They just couldn't actually get in and film in them. Okay. So that that's why this switch is now to animation. Okay. What did you think? What did you think, Dom, of the the switch? Um, I thought it worked. Uh, they they the the I did not notice a difference in the in the voice acting. I thought the doctor sounded like the doctor and um, Romana sounded like Romana. The the drawing like the so the the representation of the different characters. Look pretty good. I I don't think that the uh, animated Romana was as uh, was as faithful to the real uh, mm-hmm. uh, Lala Ward um, as as it could as it maybe could have been. It, she's I think she's more attractive per- in real life than they made her in the drawing. Right. But they were very good with the details of the costuming and the different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was good. I liked when we first see the physics lab. There's a lot of little Easter eggs in the background yes. of the animation. So, like the books in the physic on the shelves, there's a, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's a book oh, called Zaphod, My Stories. Oh, right. there's the hyperspace. Zaphod Beeblebrox, yeah, a character from Hitchhikers. Right. Yeah. There's a uh, hyperspace bypass planning law book, uh, <laughs> and the uh, the real to real brand name. There's a real to real player is Vogon. So. Oh, uh, they, they, they're that. really I watch that. Yeah. They're that. really doing the uh, Douglas Adams references there. Yeah, oh, yes. it was great. Like, and I'm, I'm certain there are things I missed in that uh, in the lab that was I, I didn't even see. But uh, it was a lot of fun to kind of pause and, and kind of note down the different things. So uh, so what happens in the lab is that Chris Parsons, he, he, he's got this book and uh, it, the book starts to act funny and it we notice that it starts to control time. So he's standing there at this table. There's a clock on the wall behind him. Um, and as he's flipping through the, the book, the page of the book, the the, the uh, hands on the clocks go backward and forward uh, as he's flipping through the book. So we get the idea that this book is controlling time, that he's traveling exactly. through time. So... Um, Although he doesn't realize. He doesn't no. realize it, yes. But he, he does realize... He ends, the, up, the, he ends yeah, up back at the same time. You know, it's he he flips the book forward and the clock runs forward a couple hours and he flips the book back and the clock runs back a couple of hours and yes. it goes right back to the same time he was at. Right. 
Right. And then he does, uh, he eventually like, uh, tries to, I, I don't think, I think he was microwaving it. I think he was just exposing it to some well, sort it was, of radiation. It was, it was, it was an x-ray machine, but first he, oh. he takes a, you know, he's got the book open and it slams shut and he takes, he takes a knife and he tries to stab it and the book moves on him. Right. And then he, he, you know, he kind of smelling it and trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. And he, what he put it in was an, like an x-ray device. Okay. X-ray machine. It looked like which, a microwave, but yeah, it, was yeah, it looked machine. like a microwave. I mean, it looked like the microwave panel and everything. And it blows up. Right. The machine blows up. The book's fine. The, the book is also, we should note, written in an unknown alphabet. So right. he, he can't read anything it says. And it's not circular Gallifrey, and I notice. No, uh, it, it's more like it's more like symbols and uh, geographic or ge- geometric figures and things yes. like that. Yeah. So from from an audience perspective, though, we do I mean, we it, we do eventually learn that it is Gallifrey and it's just not the modern knew who Gallifrey and were used Correct. to seeing. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, we've we've got, uh, like we said, we have Skagra walking around in these fabulous clothes, uh, but he's got this bag, and in the, we know, uh, we learn that the in the bag is the silver sphere, and it's whispering. So as he's walking around, it's whispering, and that's the, the consciousness is, the, the minds that he's stolen uh, that are still in this, this sphere. Yeah. Um, so the Romana and the doctor end up, they show up at the, the professor's office and they're having this conversation with him. Um, there's this discussion about this Gallifreyan book that. Uh, and, and they're horrified to learn yes. that he's taken a book from Gallifrey and has it here on Earth. Right. Because yeah. that's incredibly dangerous. Why are Gallifreyan books so dangerous? I mean, is this an established fact or is this the first time we're hearing this? Do you. Do you- uh, well, or what's your uh, speculation? Um, I, I mean, obviously, if anyone learns to read them, then they're going to contain advanced scientific information mm-hmm. and knowledge of the past and the future that aren't native to this period that could lead to time paradoxes. Um, but this book in particular, because it has an effect on time, is even more dangerous right. because it is a time travel device. Right. And it's called the Worshipful and Ancient Law of Gallifrey. Comes right. from the time of Rassilon and has power that even the modern at the time Time Lords didn't know. Right. Okay. So it makes me think um, of remember the old video game Mist, um, mm-hmm. where they were, they were oh, yeah. the, the books were linked, you know, links to other worlds. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that was. If he was a time lord, anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Um, so, by the way, also we should mention when the doctor and and Romana show up and start talking to Professor Cronotus, we also hear about a, another figure not from Time Lord history, not Rassilon, but a guy named Salyavin who was mm-hmm. apparently a Time Lord criminal Correct. that was a hero of the Doctor's. So he. We don't know much more about Salyavin, except he was he did something at this point. We don't know any much more right. about him. He did something the Time Lords didn't approve of, but he was also kind of endearing to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like a Time Lord Jesse James or something. Right, right, right. Uh, they also find a, a Gallifrey and nursery rhyme book, which Romana says she had when she was a uh, time taught. Time taught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. um uh, there's a quote, quote I broke down, odd book, odd friends. Like someone says, oh, odd book and says, odd friends. I forget exactly yeah. what that was. I, it was enough for me to note it. I don't know if you guys remember that line, but uh, I'm just trying to uh, 
pick up where we left off though. We uh K9 shows up um as the doctor's being chased by Skagra's uh uh Silver Sphere. We get the Glee Club. Um at one point uh, uh Skagra she he takes Ramana prisoner um and apparently uh kills the the professor by stealing right. his brain. Is that they're stealing his well, mind. Well, you got you've got that. I'm sorry, his you, mind. You got first, uh, first Gagra. Romana goes into the TARDIS. Gagra comes out or shows up at that moment. Yep. Steals the professor's mind. He leaves. Romana comes back out. You know, classic timing. You know. Yep. She comes out, finds him collapsed and everything. Uh, or uh, Chris comes in. Yeah. Chris comes in at the same time that Romana comes out and K9 comes out and yeah, and then they find him collapsed. Yeah. This, so there's this whole whole and, series and, of and events. It, it, and yeah. eventually I mean, they're working on him trying to trying to get him back and it's not happening but he sends them a message by beating his hearts in time lord morse code <laughs> right. and he yeah. he like tells them beware skagra beware the sphere and shada and they don't know what any of that means at this point yep. okay. and then he then he seems to die right he disappears yes and disappears that's the the very interesting one um and then uh the, the the doctor is ends up being chased by so the doctor tries to go to Chris Parsons and passes Chris Parsons coming the other way on bike yep. back to the and then that's when Skyra uh, shows up takes Ramana um, prisoner um, ends up taking her Not, to to his ship. Am I getting that? I, you know, you have I, the chase. Sorry, yeah. This, this this there's a lot that happens in this episode, so it, it is very yeah. confusing. No, there's the whole there chase is. with the doctor. I, I it gets. Hmm? Go ahead. So there's the whole chase with the doctor where, where Skagra's spear is chasing him and you have the music and everything. And then um, he doctor gets to a dead end and this would, would have been a cliffhanger. Um, and then also the TARDIS appears. Doctor jumps in with Romana. Romana. Yeah. Grabs the doctor, drags him in the, or he jumps in the TARDIS. TARDIS takes off. Um, and then um, that's when. Then they go to the ship. Right. Right. So, you know, and because this is a six parter and it has a kind of madcap element to it, it's a little hard to describe. So we may want to kind of not give as much blow by blow exactly. for the yeah. for the listeners. But right. when they do finally get to Skagra's ship, um, it's invisible. And this is an interesting writing choice on the part of Douglas Adams. Uh, rather than having a ship, you know, just an it, it's parked in a in a cow field, mm -hmm. um, and rather than having a, uh, a you know a, a, an elaborately designed yet another spaceship on Doctor Who, they just said, okay, it's invisible. Use your imagination for what it looks like. Yep. <coughs> um. Think you know. Think of uh, the Klingon bird of prey in Star Trek Four. Star Trek Right. 4. Right. Yeah. Same same kind of thing. Same kind of special effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not very. It's only a few years uh, before that, and it ha didn't change very much uh, until then uh, for the major motion picture. So they're on board Skagra's ship. Chris Parsons, a doctor, Romana, <coughs> excuse me, um, and uh, K9. They're taken prisoner. They're transported into this cell. Uh, actually, everyone except the doctor is transported into the cell. Which has no doors. It has no doors. Yep. Uh, Skagra tries to force the doctor to decode this book and refuses. So Skagra takes the doctor's mind with the sphere. So we think. <coughs> and the me. doctor is very stupid. Very, very stupid. 
<laughs> yeah, since we keep trying to convince him, I don't know anything. I'm very stupid. Um, the K9 um, detects that the doctor's mind is in the sphere. Uh, and so they, they they think that the doctor uh, is dead at this point. Um, th- meanwhile, um, Romana is transported from the cell and then taken to the TARDIS by Skagra. Uh, back in the professor's office, where he forces her to to pilot it for him. Yep. Um, which I'm not sure why they didn't take the sh- his ship. Do you remember why? I never. I, I didn't get well, he why needs, he needed the TARDIS to to get there instantly. Well, not just to get there instantly, but also for his later on. Right, 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 right. You would need a TARDIS for his later plan. That's right. Um, not not to try to get into spoilers yet. We'll get there shortly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, meanwhile, uh, Claire, Chris Parsons' friend, shows up at the the professor's office, um, uh, and manages to stumble on a control panel and accidentally triggers an explosion, uh, which it turns out we'll we'll find out later that the the professor's offices are in fact a TARDIS themselves that uh, yep. that he's been using as his office for so long. Um, so when, when his TARDIS moves, there's like a big chunk taken out of this building. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the doctor awakens on the ship and then explains to the computer that he's actually dead. And that way it won't, the ship's computer, and that way it won't take action against him because why would it, you know, take action against me? I'm dead. That was very Douglas Adams logic <laughs> in that part about, I'm not dead, therefore I'm not an enemy of your your master. Oh, okay, so I'll take your orders now. <laughs> right. It was. Uh, I I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. It, it was, was very a, clever. It was very clever. Um, meanwhile, um, the doctor- professor Cronotus is brought back. Right. Right. The professor is uh, brought back to life. Is uh, he says um, because we find out from the doctor that it only took a copy of his mind, not a. Uh, Yep. His mind itself. Um, uh, Will, uh, the, it was also another uh, moment where Wilkin, the uh, the college porter, uh, comes to the professor's rooms and opens the door and finds n- not not even just an empty space. He finds the swirling time vortex there that's been left behind by the uh, by the uh, disappearance of Cronotus's TARDIS. Yes. Yep. Um. Let's see. Uh, we and then we end this on a cliffhanger of this particular part of the story with a uh, the the uh, computer of the ship deciding that since the doctor is dead, it doesn't need to have, uh, waste oxygen and turns off the oxygen supply. Um, room, yeah. So, uh, but then they saved when Chris and the K nine are transported out of their cell. And so that says, Oh, you're, you're alive. So we'll turn that on. Um, so uh, meanwhile, the TARDIS arrives at the, uh, the, this um, other ship. It's a carrier ship. I guess it's called the, this mm-hmm. life form called the Krog. Krog, which Krog. sounds a lot like Skagras, yeah. but the Krog, <clears throat> and they're they're sort of a crystalline creature. And it was very interesting. We only see them almost entirely episode in animation, except for one brief, partial look at them. Uh, Correct. Uh, in On- in live action, they were much yeah, better so- aliens in in animation than they were. Yes. <laughs> in live yes. action. Uh, yeah. It. it- Obviously, they could be a little more accurate to what they were planning with the the animation version. But yeah, the, the, there's one scene on that Institute for Advanced Science Studies uh, spaceship where they are a, they did film an actual Krog. Yes, 
a guy in a suit with all kinds of uh, little rubber shingles stuck to him. <laughs> yeah, little rubber being, shingles. Um, being blasted by canine and turning into a glowing yes. beast. There's some sort of crystalline creatures that when exposed to whatever canine is shooting them with, uh, end up exploding, which makes them not very good uh, foot soldiers, I would think. Yep. Um, <laughs> the doctor manages to take Skagra's ship and um, turn it into a TARDIS, which was a lot of fun, by giving instructions to the computer. Um, they show up. Uh, I, I, so like you said, Jimmy, let's skip ahead. Like, There's a lot of stuff that happens. Let's skip ahead to yeah. the meat of this. Uh, they end up at Shada. Um, and the way they get there is using the book. Right. So the book is um, not just a time travel device. It also contains information about Shada. And if you flip it open to the last page, it'll take you to Shada. As long and, as you're in a TARDIS. Right. Yeah. So um, so they end up getting to Shada in search of Salyavin, who is the uh, who is essential to Skagra's plan. Also, we get more detail on what Skagra's plan is. Right. Basically, he's he's he gathered together these famous scientists and sucked their minds so that he could get all the information he would need to build a device that would enable him to merge every mind in the universe into a single hive mind that he would control. So he's going to impose his own mind on every living thing in creation. So it's not like he has any ego problems. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but in order to do that, he, in order to complete his plan, he needs uh, Salyavin, the Time Lord criminal, who he believes to be locked up on Shada. And when we get to Shada, we find out Salyavin's cell is empty. What mm -hmm. was it uh, that Salyavin was supposedly supposed to be able to do for him? Because that has to do with his crime. Yeah. So Salyavin, like Time Lords are telepathic in varying degrees. And Salyavin apparently had the telepathic ability to impose his will on others mm -hmm. and get them to do his bidding. And we see a little bit of that where the professor's TARDIS is broken and he gives the knowledge to Claire to, to fix, it. fix it, to help him fix it. Right. And right. so as quickly becomes obvious, the missing Salyavin is, in fact, dum-dum-dum, Professor Cronotus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which which I, I have to admit, I did not see coming, but does, is, good, is a good one. That is, and it was also, good. it's kind of interesting, too, is the reason why the Time Lords do no longer remember Shada is because Salyavin slash the Professor controlled their minds to make them forget it. Okay. The entire right. Time Lord race. So he could just go retire and hang out on the Time Lord equivalent of a beach somewhere, namely Cambridge exactly. University. Right. So exactly. no one no one would know that he's escaped because no one even knows the prison exists. And exactly. it's the prisoners are in some sort of suspended animation in the yep. um a couple other interesting aspects. Um when the so you, you you know the TARDIS the Doctor's TARDIS it looks like a police box on the outside so you're wondering well what does the professor's TARDIS look like if it's a if it's a Cambridge um, professor's office Room. on the inside well it looks like a door it's just literally a door standing there in any wall <laughs> that happens to be handy uh, which is a very interesting uh, idea. Um, Except when we see it flying through the vortex, right. then it looks like a ripped out chunk of a building. Right. Well, that's actually, true. Yeah. In the re recreation, it looks like a door. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so this, 
Yeah, this, and this is this is moment where they're trying to the doctor is trying to get from the professor's uh, uh, TARDIS, TARDIS into his own through the void into his own, and it's I I wasn't like there was this whole like um, uh, suspenseful moment where Claire and Romana are have to you know hold these controls so to keep this bridge that this energy bridge so that, that the mm-hmm. doctor's trying to cross, and then they let it go, and then the doctor's lost, but. He gets there anyway. I I wasn't. He gets. He comes in through the back door of the TARDIS. <clears throat> I guess. I, I mean, I'm not sure what the like. We had this suspense and this tension, and then there was no real re- need yeah. for it. Uh, I but, I look forward to seeing what they do with this in the animated version um, because this is. I mean, the special effects in, in the version I saw are are pretty cheesy, but um, the in terms of doing interesting things in the void. This is something new. We haven't typically seen this. I mean, normally on Doctor Who, the TARDIS just flies through the void if we even see the void, the vortex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally you'll get someone clinging to the outside of the TARDIS or being thrown out of the TARDIS into the void. Um, but this is the first and only time I can think of where you have like a, a bridging operation between two things traveling yep. in the vortex where someone's trying to move from one TARDIS to another. Now, the Corey, I don't remember. Was that animated or was that live action? You know, I, I think there was some live action to it because it looked like Tom Baker actually crawling across. Across a green kinda, screen sort of thing, yeah. yeah well, yeah, but it kind of looks like the actual bridge kind of looks like a laser, like those laser bridges or laser lines. You yeah. Know? That's kind of what it looks like, like a green laser line from one side to the other. And, they, and that, what it looks that like. wasn't in the linking narration version, Jimmy? Well, they had some special effects there, but I – and they may have just kept the same ones because the, the bridge effect is like a kind of laser green effect. They kept mm-hmm. it. Um, but they I, – I wondered if they may have upgraded it in some way because yeah. the yeah. version I saw was pretty cheesy. Yeah, it was pretty cheesy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was about the same level of cheese as we expected. Um a couple other interesting notes. Uh, the Skagra is 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 list of occupations is listed. And did you did one stand out to either of you? I thought one moral might theologian. stand out. He's, he's apparently yeah. a moral theologian <laughs> 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 at a Jesuit college to be named later. No, no, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's with delusions of grandeur, of godhood. Yeah. Um. So uh, they they set a big battle at the end. What's that? Big battle at the end. There's a big battle. Um, a a lot of the uh, criminals that are being held there are released by um, by uh, Skagra. Skagra. I can keep all the names straight. Skagra. He sucks their brains and turns them into zombies, including uh, Chris Parsons. Um, mm-hmm. And they're 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 chasing the Doctor and Cronotus and Claire and Romana around. And um, how do how does how do we get a resolution to all this? What is the final um, so, so the doctor, he, they get, um, they get back to Skagra's ship. Um, and, and this is where the doctor does his little walk across from one TARDIS to the other. And as they're in flight and he jumps in the back door. So Skagra doesn't realize that the doctor is on the, his TARDIS, um, makes up his little mind control thing. And, you know, so basically because the doctor's mind is in the sphere, he can control the zombie prisoners 
right. so there's this mind battle between Skregor and the doctor and the Craigs and K9 comes out, starts shooting things and lots of explosions <laughs> and lots of, you know, lots of chaos and, and the good guys win. And the good right. guys win. So yeah, we have the, the very, the, the usual of the doctor constructing the uh, McGovern device that uh, helps solve the things. Uh, the Krogs, I didn't mention how the, the Krogs were being generated by this gas uh, in this, uh, j- this equipment that the, that uh, Skagra was monologuing about to Romana. And she ends up deactivating the Krog equipment and d- using that to destroy the Krogs. Um, the, the computer of Skagra's ship uh, turns around to it. It, it tur- I guess it decides it likes the doctor and ends up serving the doctor instead of uh, yeah. Skar- Skagra. Oh, the doctor did such wonderful things. I, let me tell you all about it. <laughs> That's right. He's in, <laughs> imprisoned in that uh, in that cell with no doors, uh, with the with the uh, the doctor being extolled by the computer to him. Um, and then everybody gets returned to Shada, who belongs there, uh, and they they go back to earth return the professor's TARDIS to where it's supposed to be just in time for the college porter to show up with the policeman who thinks that the porter is uh, either pulling his leg or been drinking uh, or something yeah um and then we end now the room is back that's right yep. and then and we're we sitting end... around having a nice cup of tea yeah yeah right right um we have this nice little scene that came up on me unexpectedly we see the control room of the TARDIS um and the doctor's apparently working on something under the console um, and is talking as we're, as we're kind of finishing things up. And when he stands up, it is Tom Baker today. It's a contemporary yes. scene that's been filmed. Um, and he says something to the effect of, I wonder if in the future people will think I'm a nice old man. Um, yeah. I was wondering, yeah, so what, this- what do you think he was referring to uh, there? Was he referring to just the fact that he's an old man now? Or was it something from the War Doctor episode? <clears throat> well, I, oh, I, I think they're, yes. they're riffing on something that's in the original ending. Um, because oh. they, in the original uh, ending of the episode, after it's all resolved, um, Romana is asking the Doctor if the Time Lord legends about Selyavin have been exaggerated because to her, Professor Cronotus seemed like a nice old man. And yeah. that prompts the doctor to wonder if in the future people will think of him as a nice old man. Yeah, that's oh. the, it's the same same ending scene, except it was filmed today. Okay. So, they so rebuilt, it's kind of, a, kind of a made a wink to the audience. I yeah. Gotcha. So they, they rebuilt the 1970s era TARDIS, TARDIS. interior uh, console and everything. And there's K9 there, you know, and doctor's laying on his back. And, it, you know, all you see is like from his waist down. Um and he's working as, you know, and K9's there and he gets zapped. You know, they got to have the obligatory, you know, console firing off and exploding and K9 gets scrambled and all that good stuff. You know, they threw as much into this one, you know, like oh, two yeah. minute scene as they could. Lala doesn't show up. Lala Ward does not show up on scene. You just hear her voice from another room. Right, right. You know, it's interesting. One of the ways they fool me is they reproduce the look of that uh, late 1970s era BBC video um, yes. Uh, look, uh, which was uh, which was good. That was one of the, the characteristics of Doctor Who from that time that I that I remembered, which was all the outdoor scenes were film. I'm pretty sure yes. and all the interiors yes. were video. Um, yes. mm-hmm. And so and you had this I, I varying believe, look back and forth. And I believe they actually used for that scene original equipment from that era. Okay. So it was 1970s era cameras, 1970 areas recording equipment. That's why it looked and sounded like. 
it was back then. Okay, yeah, because they did that. Presumably also the shorting out of the TARDIS console explains the Doctor's sudden change in age. Exactly. And something to, it's like, okay, this is just a temporary effect. Okay. Yep, exactly. Um, So, uh, overall, what was your take? Was it worth it? Uh, Especially given given what it took for us to be able to watch it. uh, (laughs) Was it worth it? Is it better than other reconstructions? Uh, I mean, Jimmy, you can only go off of what you saw, but Father Corey, was this better than the other reconstructions you've seen? You know, I, I will say it's, it was better, of course, because there was much of it was still live action. You know, again, two thirds of the episode still existed. So most of the episode is still live action. Um, it's primarily at the end where you have uh, mostly animation. It was kind of interesting question. Um, was, is it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was a fun episode. I, I really, I, I was Worth the wait, you know, that kind of, and I, I'd seen the the version that Jimmy had years and years and years ago. Um, the question was, though, are we, is it enjoyable because it it's just a great episode on its own? It's an episode that if it aired back in 1979, as it was supposed to, we would consider it one of the great episodes of Doctor Who. Or is it a great episode because of the mystique of the lost episode being restored? You know, and that's, that's kind of a, a tough question for me, because like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, and of course I'm a Douglas Adams fan, so that helps a lot too, Mm. you know, and and I think for myself, I would have to answer that it, I think it would have been one of the great episodes on its own to begin with, in my opinion. And whether or not that's the case, it's legitimate to take enjoyment in something when you see it. So, you know, it does have that mystique and I like, even though I haven't been able to see it yet, I like the fact that there's finally a canonical visual version of this right. of this story and that will add to my pleasure in watching it regardless of the intrinsic quality of it right. now 10 years from now you know I'll have a different appraisal of it but that's the case with anything you watch when you first see yep. it versus when you see it 10 years later yeah. okay. one thing you know I, and at the beginning I asked you Don what you thought of the animation you know the switch between animation and live and I really felt that the first time it made that switch, it was kind of like an, oh, okay, now we're in animation. But as the episode went on, that you didn't get pulled out of the episode quite as easily. It, right. just, it, it became natural that, okay, this is an animated scene, this is a live action scene, and no big deal. Right. It's it, you know, it's it's some some people might be might be a little leery of like the switching back and forth and whether that would be uh difficult to deal with. Um, but it it really wasn't. Um I seem to recall there was a TV series when I was a kid that did this as part of the show where part of the show was like live action people. And then they, 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 it was like a superhero, like a transformation. And then it was all animated from that point. Um, I've seen things like that on yeah. Saturday morning cartoons yeah. as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Of course the, fa- the fabulous Mr. Limpet, which was a movie starring Don Knotts, where the, this right. man turns into a fish, starts off live action, and then when he becomes a fish, it becomes uh, animated. Uh, so that sort of thing has happened before, and 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 it, it, so it's not unusual uh, in, in it by any means. But you're right; it did get less. Uh, it was less. Uh, wow, they're switching back and forth, and more of this is just part of the story mm-hmm. as we went on. So I I, I enjoyed it in the, on those terms too. I think and on re on rewatches, it should be less noticeable even the first time. Yeah, right. And I think as as a story itself, I think um, if this were remade as a 12th Doctor or even 13th Doctor story, maybe um, if this were set in the present day, but with the same sorts of things, I think it could work 
really well. I mean, with with Douglas Adams's dialogue and the the story, if we had um, you know, a good Skagra, you, you, it might need to be tightened up here and there. Uh, you know, certainly the pacing would have to be vastly mm-hmm. different. Um, and I think, I think some of the Skagra Kragra stuff needs to would need a little work, but um, but shortened down to be a a one hour story. Uh, covering most of the same ground, I think it could be. A, a, I think it would still it would still work. I think the story was was complex. I think we had the the you know the villain, the the reveal, the secret reveal, um, that sort of stuff. I, so I I liked it uh, in its in itself. I mean, I have to be Dis- honest. Disco it, suits got to go though. Yes, it yeah. does. <laughs> I mean, I have not seen a lot of classic Doctor Who, and so um, I really enjoyed watching this fourth doctor story. I, 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 I like the fourth doctor. I can see why he's so popular. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, and I, I look forward to seeing more of the other doctors in the non, um, um, regeneration episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, also yeah. the, cause regeneration episodes are, have a particular, um, uh, Goal, yeah, that drives the story, and you're not exactly. necessarily seeing the doctor at his normal uh, self uh, through it. So mm-hmm. um, this was a lot of fun. Um, good. So uh, if, unless there's more to be said here, uh, just you know, as a you know, I'll note in a second. But uh, uh, w- next time we're going to be discussing uh, the we're going back to the ninth doctors. Uh, Christopher Eccleston season. Uh, we we still have uh, our rewatch of that going on. Uh, we'll be picking up with Father's Day, uh, which is a uh, that that in that about the middle of that season, um, mm-hmm. and we'll con- con- we're going to kind of continue through. I think uh, the the rewatch of of New Who. Um, we'll probably bouncing s- back and forth with material from Classic Who. Yeah, exactly. That's yep. yeah. So we you know, as it comes up and some interesting things we decide on. Still no news on what when the 13th uh doctors first season you know when that's going to happen we're still guessing in the absence of information that it won't be late, any time before this, this fall yeah yeah um it very interesting uh note of news i heard which was that the um w- the the filming of that final scene of the christmas special where we had um uh jody whitaker uh, her, her first appearance as a doctor apparently that occurred the day after the announcement they filmed mm-hmm. that scene so it was it was very soon uh, or or even just very soon after they after they decided on her so it was very quick uh, uh there wasn't a whole lot of time to prepare her and, and that sort of stuff so uh well it's it'll be interesting to see how that develops as now they have time to kind of uh develop the character in the writing of the next season so They've already given her a, a costume that's been revealed, and I'm hoping it doesn't last long. I'm <laughs> yeah. not a, not a fan of the new costume. It's a bit Mork from Orc, <laughs> uh, if you if anyone recalls. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, it's supposed to be pull elements from the the last uh, few Doctors. I think is the idea. Um, Includes them together. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll hope for something a little better uh, as as we go yeah, along. Right. Right now, they're they're still officially saying autumn of this year, so okay, September October time frame basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's it from us. Um, have as you, the listener, have you heard? Uh, have you been able to watch this re-release of the uh, the Fourth Doctor uh, episode Shada? Um, if so, what did you think? Uh, or if 
you haven't had a chance to, are you interested in seeing it? Does the, does, does our talking about it make you want to go uh, watch it? Um, let us know. Uh, visit us at uh, sqpn.com uh, or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Leave us some feedback or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. You can find links to all our personal social media and websites on our show notes at sqpn.com. Uh, we'll be back again next week when we'll be discussing the uh, ninth Doctor story, the fa- uh, Father's Day. Uh, until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining in the sharing of the secrets of Doctor Who. Glad to be here. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. My pleasure, Dom. Uh, once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you understand Einstein, quantum theory, Planck, Newton, and Schoenberg, you've got a lot to unlearn. When will I see you again? Uh, soon, I expect. Or later. One of those.